do, 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 do. Here we go. My name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 381. And why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we are going to uh, talk about a little kitchen mishap that we had. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, kitchen. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it to you. Um, there's a question from a listener who says that uh, her 12-year-old doesn't like her body. Okay. And then we're going to talk about money. And we've de- dedicated a lot of different uh, episodes on money, but I listened to a podcast that you referred me to called The Good Life Project. Yes, Jonathan Fields. Jonathan Fields. And he is a wonderful teacher of ours. And he did a podcast about money. And I want to share some things about that. So that's the dealio. Okay. So I want to say before we get started to everybody who has uh, sent me emails and um, commented on Facebook about our show last week about my dad. I just wanted to say thank you very much. I've read everything. Um, I noticed that I was just telling Todd last night that uh, you know, it's all kind of a whirlwind um, after you have an experience like that where, you know, someone you love passes away where you kind of let go of social norms for a while. So I wasn't like commenting on people's comments or liking things or anything. And I know you guys don't need me to do that, but I, I didn't want you to think I wasn't reading what you were writing. Um, it just is, you know, you just kind of read and let go. <laughs> right. And it's very foggy. It's very foggy. I'm still foggy. And that's the other thing is I got some emails from people who are like, I can't believe you were able to do a show about that. Or, you know, I wasn't okay enough to talk about these things for a long time. And I totally understand that. And I don't, I don't want any of you to think that I'm okay. Right. <laughs> and I mean that from my heart, like I, or that I'm pushing myself too much. Um, there is no perfect, uh, but you know, I had a tough morning. Yesterday was not a tough day, and then who knows what tomorrow will be. So I just—that's kind of what I'm trying to do—is just uh, be with the present moment as much as possible. And when things come up, I say them out loud and let them go through. If it's you know crying or talking about it or whatever, and then you keep moving because that is what we do. It's about waves. Waves. The ocean waves. The waves come in and then they go out. And That's then they right. come back in and then they go back out. That's right. And the thing that, that hurts us in anything with this experience or anything is the suffering of thinking we're doing it wrong. Yep. Uh, there is no doing things like this wrong. There is only what we're feeling. And we don't pick up a book and say, well, I'm not feeling that. So it must be something S- wrong. So would it be wrong if, if there is no wrong, my, you know, maybe to challenge you a little bit. If you're repressing emotion, not letting that things go through, that would be wrong, right? Well, maybe that's what sometimes we repress because it's so big that we can't feel what we need to feel. So there right may be then. times when repression is a good thing. And when we're children, we do it all the time because mm-hmm. there's not much we can do about it. Like if we're in a home where somebody is harming us and we have to live there, yeah. then it, sometimes there's not a lot we can do in that moment. Oh, well, and I, you know, I've said this on in the past. Uh, my home life was a wonderful home life, yet there were times when people were yelling at each other and to, for my own sense of survival, I had to shut down a little bit. Yes, and you had to, and that's what we do as humans. And then what we do as we get older is we figure out how to open ourselves back up, but not 
in a detrimental way where then we become a victim of our world. We have to Todd and I just had this long talk in the office before we came down about finding that that middle place, that fluctuation. It's not a perfect balance. It's a pendulum swing. It's like I'm too far this way, so let me pull it back this way and it's constantly swinging. It's like um the, you know the Newton's um, third law thing. Remember yeah. I had that thing. every action has an opposite and equal reaction. Right. Which it's not, it's not so much about that law, even though that's intertwined in it. But remember it, the girls ended up breaking it, but you know, the, the thing that hits back and it's forth, got like the marbles on the, the strings. Marbles and, right. and it, when one side hits, the other side hits, which obviously demonstrates that karmic law. But I also look at that as you know, things are constantly moving back and forth. Things are not static. You don't find balance one day. You don't reach perfect peace one day. It's just this ebb and flow. And if we don't look at it as extremes, if we don't think that we have to go so high or so low and we can find this kind of place in between where we're gentle with ourselves. Um, So that was a long tangent. No, that's all right. And like I said, you know, I did certain things to help me survive uh, what at moments were kind of a chaotic um, home life. Uh, I need to do this. No, no different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. Thank you, Master Yoda. That's what we're constantly doing is we are un... I was just watching Glennon Melton, a little clip from something that she had done for Emerging Women, and she was saying we have to unbecome what we have become. She's stealing from Yoda. Yeah, it's the same thing. We have to un... You know, because a lot of what we became wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. A lot of the the language that we were given, a lot of the um, information that we were fed, a lot of the experiences we had that we twisted in our brain a certain way, that's what made us become. And so what we have to start doing is not becoming more, but unbecome. Yeah. Like let go of that, relook at that. Peel the onion. Peel the onion. And I just kind of see this like, it's such much, it's such a a more gentle way of evolving rather than I need to do more, I need to do better, which is what a lot of us do. We self-help our way to more pain. The acquisition of knowledge, like yeah. seeker, like I'm a seeker and there's times when my seeking habits do not serve me because I don't need to seek outside. Instead, I need to let things go that I've already figured out. Right. And you know that a lot of people in this world challenge that word seeker now. Have you, and and not because that doesn't mean you have to throw it out because it fits exactly what you're talking about right now, but just that idea that there's constantly something else to find Yeah. because there's not Yeah. like it's, you already have every, it's the, it's the Dorothy thing. Yes. And no, that's a paradox though, Yeah. It, because true. if that were the case, why are we reading books? Well, again, it's about the word. It's about the unbecoming and the letting go. It's it, Seeking is like finding more. And that's what I mean about yeah. a lot of us self-help ourselves to to more pain yeah. is because we're constantly like, I need to be more. I need to do more. I'm seeking more. And the unbecoming is – so you know what, Todd, you're right. It's like turning the word inside. I'm seeking more inside of myself mm-hmm. rather than outside of yeah. myself. I am noticing more how I'm reacting rather than how everyone's reacting to me. Yeah. And so – do you see everybody? It's these are not. I I said in uh, women's circle last week we started laughing because everything we would jump on, I'd be like, this is a huge rabbit hole. Yep. <laughs> like we could just go down and around, and there is just no answers. And that 
in itself is the answer. Mm-hmm. So the I answer just, is there are no answers. So I just wanted to, circling back, I wanted to say just thank you for all those messages. And I, like I said, I read everything and I do love you very much. And um, I just appreciate your stories because a lot of people have their own personal stories sure. that they were sharing with me. And I hear you and we'll, we'll keep going together. That's right. Um, so quick talk about Team Zen. Oh, yes. So we yes. did a Zen Talk last week, and a Zen Talk is basically an interactive uh, video. It's an interactive podcast, really. Interactive podcast on video if you choose. You can see us, Kathy and I. Uh, some of the Team Zen people choose to be seen, and some others just want the audio or whatever. Right. But it's a way to interact with us instead of it just being one sided, Kathy and I talking. Um, so we have the subscription based uh, thing where it's 25 bucks a month and you can look into it. But what I, all I want to do is highlight last week, these are the things that we talked about on last week because we're doing another one tomorrow. Yes. Uh, why we need to protect our hearts so we can keep it wide open. Mm-hmm. Uh, why we need to create a new relationship with our teenager and how to effectively communicate. What is happening during meditation, why we meditate and how to start, and how to create a new relationship with the word beauty so we can authentically say to our children, you are beautiful. So that's what we covered last week. Yep. Who knows what we're going to cover next week? It depends on who gets on the call. I mean, yep. there's always a teaching piece that we do in the beginning, yep. but that's the kind of deal. So if you want to sign up for that, uh, you can opt out at any time, 25 bucks a month. Uh, go to events on zenparentingradio.com and it'll be there. And I, I love the Zen Talks, but I think the other really valuable thing from being on Team Zen is we have this private Facebook page so people can basically anything I'm reading or anything that I've, you know, any any article I've read or book I've read or podcast we're listening to, we just post it on that page and say, look at this, look at this. Yeah. So it's just like a big resource page and then everyone else can share their resources and it's a place for question and answer. So if your um, question didn't get answered on the podcast, then, you know, Todd and I can answer it there. Sometimes it's us. Sometimes it's another listener that want to do it. Um, And I haven't talked to you yet about this, sweetie, but uh, I do want to talk about 10 habits that will change your life on tomorrow's Zen Talk. All right. Well, we'll we'll get to that tomorrow or later today when we discuss. That's my plan. All right. Um, So my quick take is we had a kitchen mishap last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, A little cheese fell on the oven while we were making our own pizzas and we chose to handle oh, it differently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Will you share with our audience what exactly happened? Uh, so we were making pizzas and, uh, you know, homemade pizzas. So they're kind of like, you know, cheese is going everywhere. And Todd just put them on the uh, rack. And um, he the, the cheese started to melt off, as it, many of you may experience. Over the side. Over the side of the the pizza. So what that means is that it hit the floor of the oven, the floor of the oven, which can happen a lot with little pieces of cheese. But this was huge and it caused a fire inside of the oven. So Todd opened the oven because we could smell it. And there's a fire and it's a small fire, but it is still a fire. It's a small fire. And I said, get the fire extinguisher. And Todd said, no, no, there was three pizzas in the oven. I'm going to scrape that cheese off Mm. while there's a fire and just blow it out with my mouth. Yeah, first I tried to blow it. And then I said, Todd, focus. (laughs) I didn't say focus. That's what I'm thinking in my head. There is a fire in the oven. The fire extinguisher is right under the sink. It's two seconds away. And he said, hold on, hold on. Because some of you may be saying, well, Kathy, why didn't you just grab it? 
Well, Todd was insisting he had it under control. I did have it completely under control. So the fire, every time he would blow it out, would, of course, reemerge. Mm-hmm. And I found it to be quite dangerous. And I found it to be kind of exciting. And I tried to scrape it out. And eventually it did go out. So well, I eventually did... I said, will you at least pour a glass of water on it? And I don't know enough. I don't know if this was technically a grease fire because grease fires you're not supposed to pour water on. You're supposed mm-hmm. to like put powder on or whatever, mm-hmm. or salt. Well, and that's, I, I think that's what we're saying is like, where's our baking powder? Yeah. I can't remember the conversation because it was a little like, I mean, it wasn't over dramatic. We weren't screaming or anything. I was just like, let's, because I could tell you really wanted to save those pizzas. Oh yeah. Well, I worked hard on those things. But, okay. All we had to do was just, uh, if things got bad, we'd close the oven up. I turned the I turned the oven off. That's okay. the first thing I did. Okay. Close the oven up, and if it started catching on fire for real, then then we get the fire extinguisher. You just kind of were a little early with the fire extinguisher thing. Okay. Okay. Well, it the way worked I, out. The way I choose to do things is different than the way you tra- I, I kind of feel like, you know, when we talk about, like, keep yourself- And I have a history of fire, by the way. Yes. This is not the first time. The the You know how we talk about keep yourself safe? And then, you know, then deal with whatever you need to deal with, like safety first. To me, I would be fine with ruining those pizzas and ordering a pizza or going to get a frozen pizza. Like, I'm cool with losing the pizza um, in the name of safety. Right. And I think you were not cool with that. Yeah, there's a gray area. Like, your line is a little bit further or closer than my line. Yes, I would say that's accurate. So, but the final news is that we got those pizzas out, and we ate them. And they were delicious. They were all right. They, they were, were okay. delicious. They, one was pretty good. The other two, not so much. Cooking sucks. Yeah, I can't I stand know, cooking. I, for all of you cooks out there, <laughs> we, if you want it, because we know that cooking does not suck overall. It sucks for Todd and I. Like, yeah, yeah. Cooking people, sucks to us. People who love to cook who are like, I'm most relaxed in the kitchen. The kitchen is my place. I've heard that from so many people, some of them good friends of mine. And I I don't quite tap into that we understanding. Like, we like Chipotle. I kind of like cleaning up the kitchen after we're done eating. With your headphones in. With my headphones Listening in. to a Jonathan Fields podcast. Because I don't... Yes, you, I know you're trying to segue here, but... Yes, that's. I'm just going to end there. So Jonathan Fields is a guy. He wrote a, he wrote a book called uh, The Good Life Project, which I actually used some of his ideas in my retreat that I did with the guys last year. Mm-hmm. So it was really good. Yeah. And he had a podcast called The Truth About Money and ha- Happiness. So I'm just going to throw a few ideas your way, sweetheart, and then I want you to comment on it. So one thing I so and I'll put the link to this podcast in the show notes if you want to listen to this like 35, 40 minute podcast. If this is interesting to you, go ahead and listen to it. Uh, he's a wonderful teacher. Um, but one thing I didn't know, I, I've heard of, but I didn't know there's a name for it. There's something called the Easterlin Paradox. And what the Easterlin Paradox suggests is that um, the more money somebody has did not does not necessarily correlate with the greater self-reported levels of happiness. Yes, we've talked about this on the show. I, you didn't know the terminology. I didn't the know Easter the terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically more money, uh, un, but there's a baseline. Like in our country, 
if there's a household income of a family of $75,000 a year Mm -hmm. and above, you are no more likely to be any happier if you have 150,000, as long as you have that minimum of 75. Mm -hmm. So if you're making a lot less than that, odds are that your levels of happiness are less than. So, Well, and the way to look at it is if you are really struggling to put food on the table, if you are struggling to to fix the tire on your car, if you're worried you're going to have to you're going to be evicted, then that there is a, a yeah. la, you know, your layer of happiness. Or basic medical care. Basic medical care, which a lot of people struggle with Shelter. no matter how much they're making. Yeah. Um, but there are those, you know, it's like the hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you don't have those, then yes, your happiness is not what it could be. But as soon as you have enough money to basically cover, I'm not talking about you can buy a brand new car every year, but right. basically cover things, your level of happiness will not increase. So this idea has been around since the seventies and I've heard it, I've read it in different magazines and all that. And I've always been, it's kind of been sometimes my excuse not to worry about money, even though if you listen to the show, you know that I always worry about money. Not always. Quite you think a, about I it. I think about it a lot. Um, so, but people have built on this research by doing more research and they've kind of like done it, um, had, you know, more and more of this to further understand what he's trying to get at. So there was these two researchers at the university of Michigan, I guess, and they asked two questions. The first question was about people's day-to-day mood and they, they framed it in a certain way, like how was your day yesterday? And then they basically plotted the points on how much income that person had and see if there's any difference in these people's mood. And what they, what they understood was that there was no, there was no difference. Once you get that basic 75, the Easterlin paradox was met. So it proved what Easterlin was trying to say. Mm -hmm, Okay. mm -hmm. But then they asked a second question. Uh, and it was about overall life satisfaction. And the question they ask is, imagine a ladder that has 10 rungs on it. And zero is that it's your life is not, not at all how you want it to be. And a 10 is exactly how you want it to be, like the perfect life. Mm-hmm. Well, they figured out that, that there was correlation between if somebody had $300,000 versus $75,000, they're much more likely to report a higher overall life satisfaction, oh, okay. which is interesting. So there was... Uh, no leveling off. Like the higher up you went on in, on household income, the more uh, the higher up that you were on that ladder. Like you're a close, you're more likely to be a nine or a ten, uh, up until about five hundred grand. I was going to say that's got to end at some point. They yeah. did, and they didn't say that there was a difference after five hundred. They only measured it to five hundred. Well, and I don't know, and I don't know if you're going to explain all that, but I would just say that sometimes, okay, the happiness level is I can meet my basic needs, and we're just playing with numbers here, seventy five thousand. I can meet with my basic needs and my family. So I have a happiness level. Now the next is, you know, the what was the question? The um, the the day to day mood. The day to day mood. Right. Is that I? The next level is I make enough money where I feel free. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, is not a lot of people feel free. Right. They may make enough to cover certain things, but they're still using coupons or they are still saying, I can't do that or we can't go on vacation. And so that level of feeling free where when you have a little more money, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I need to go to Target and buy these 10 things. I can do it. Right. And that's, that is not necessarily a happiness, but again, a level that will affect your mood. Right. 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 So, yeah, I mean, and it, I think it depends on what question you're asking, but I, but 
I thought it was a really interesting podcast. And what I'm going to explain here in a second is he came up with five ways that were scientifically proven of how you spend your money actually does increase happy, happiness. So it's not necessarily how much money you make, but how you spend it. Okay, before you go there, can you go back to that last thing that you said where the more money people had, um, the more that their mood was better? That you said that not did, their mood, their overall life satisfaction. Their was life better. satisfaction. So there's two things. One is you you ask a hundred people how their day went yesterday. Okay. And there's really no correlation. Okay, so there was no correlation. No correlation with that. there. But the correlation But then you ask a second question, which is overall life satisfaction. And if it's um the more money they had the higher they graded their life satisfaction. So if somebody made 75,000, they're more likely to say that they're a five. But if you make $500,000, you're more likely to say you're at a nine or a 10. And then that did cap? Um, I, I don't think they went beyond in the research. Okay, because I, I guess they... if you're at a nine or a 10, how would you know what the well, cap and is? And the other thing, there's outliers to this too. I mean, you can talk about your Kurt Cobain, your rock stars who end up committing suicide because they're so miserable, yet they have all the money in the world. Well, absolutely. And the, I was just thinking about the the Born Rich documentary. Do you remember that one? Um, the There was this documentary that was done, I think it was called Born Rich. And a lot of people that we are that are now in our... Is this the 1% one that you're talking about? It is. Warren Buffett's, or no, is it Johnson & Johnson? um, It is. I don't know if it's his, but it's the same thing. And it wasn't the 1% documentary. I think it's really called, or maybe it was a book called Born Rich, but the 1% says the same thing. That's another documentary. One of the things that that's difficult when you are born with everything and when you have everything you need and you can buy whatever you want is when you don't feel life satisfaction, you do not see a way out of it right. because you already have everything that you, you could buy whatever you needed sure. and you recognize at some point right. that that's not changing anything. Mm-hmm. So that is why the suicide rate is so high for people who have everything, because a lot of people who don't, they think if I make more money, I'll be happier, which never comes true. Yeah. But they have that as their goal. And that that sustains their sense of purpose, where people who have everything. So did you find it? You, yeah, you were right. Actually, it's a documentary called Born Rich, and it was made in 2003. It's about the experience of growing up in wealthy families. And yeah. It was created by Jamie Johnson, an heir to the Johnson & Johnson fortune. So it was fortune. the Johnson. Okay. Yeah. And he did another one called The 1%. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. I think I saw The 1%. I didn't see The Born Rich documentary. Yeah, same guy. So anyway, um, I just... So I don't know if they're even... I, are those outliers or is that much of a truth as the other is a truth? Because the flip side of that is you could be a monk who discards all possessions and could be the happiest guy in the world. That's the thing is like, that's why, even though I, I love this for discussion, so I'm not ripping on this, like, sure. but that's why sometimes these, you know, the top 10 things or the voted on things or the research we've done, it's, it doesn't encapsulate the human experience. And there's no encapsulation either. Right. Like, and the question is, are these examples outliers? Because, you know, there's plenty of monks who are a lot happier than I am, who have no possessions and no money and all that. But generally speaking, the, you know, the consensus, that's kind of, and that's what these researchers do. Right. And you know what? I will say that 
I believe this because our society says you are successful and you will have life satisfaction if you have money, which I completely challenge and don't necessarily agree with up to that point that, you know, that first thing, the 75, like I understand that you need a certain amount of money so you're not stressed all the time. But after that, I don't think it does anything. But people who are making more money have convinced themselves that this is what it's all about. So I can see them filling out a form saying, wow, well, I make $500,000. So check life satisfaction. And you could take apart any research, I think. I mean, you know, you think that this is science and I guess it's science, but there's plenty, I'm sure, of research uh, projects that contradict what this one says. Like the Happy documentary. Mm -hmm. You know, do you remember that? Vaguely. And and again, I'm using the documentaries just because they're easy to access. There's a million different research around this. But, you know, they go all over the world and they interview people about what makes them happy and people on the other side of the world. And I, I remember specifically children and I can't remember what country they're in. I feel like I'd I'd be saying it wrong. So I'd have to look up. But they were so happy and they had... It, it had nothing to do with money. It had only to do with community. It had only to do with relationship. And they didn't have toys and they played in the dirt and mm. they played. But they're so that happy word can really mess us up. Right. In our, I believe that in our society, because our society is so focused on achievement mm-hmm. and, and money, that someone would think my life satisfaction is high because, because I'm making because money. Because of their cultural conditioning. But then the human part is, is that truthful at our deepest level? Right. Okay. So. Yeah, it's one thing to click a, check a box right. in a research form. But is that the truth, that the truth? That with a capital T? I completely agree with okay. you. Okay, go on. Um, so I'm going to share the five scientifically proven ways to increase your happiness and how you spend money. Okay. But before I do that, I want to talk about our first partner, canvaspeople.com. Hey, everybody, Canvas People, you take the pictures from your phone and your laptop and you upload it to the canvaspeople.com website, and then they give you a beautiful canvas that you can hang up on your wall. Father's Day is coming up, so it's a wonderful opportunity to do that. Uh, Canvas People gave us a wonderful coupon code called Zen, Z-E-N. If you click on the 11 by 14 canvas, it's priced at $69.99. If you type in Zen, it's free. You just pay shipping. So we're very happy to be partnering with these people. We have some of their uh, canvases uh, on our walls, so we just really think that it's a wonderful deal. So I love how you started with, hey, everybody. That's right. Were you reading that off of a piece of paper? No. That's just the way I talk now. Is it? You just say, hey, everybody? What movie is this from? I taught him how to talk. He could talk now. He could talk now. It's from E.T. Drew Barrymore. What was her name in that movie? Gertie. Very good. And what was her two brothers' names? Elliot. Elliot. (sighs) I can't remember his older brother's name. Nobody can. Well, that's a bummer because he was good in that movie. He was good. He was hilarious. I know. Um, <clears throat> I saw a YouTube clip or a Facebook thing, and it was footage of Elliot, whatever the kid's name was. What was his name? Uh, C. No, I was going to say C. Thomas Howell. It was uh, <laughs> Harris. Uh, we know it's got. We got. If you it. if you click into YouTube and do um, uh, what's it called? T- Thomas. 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 Something Thomas. Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas. There we go. Because he was also, remember, he showed up again in Legends of the Fall as the youngest brother. Yes, he did. So if you um, do a search on YouTube for his audition with Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg, uh, he completely nails the audition. Mm -hmm. And he's like a little seven-year-old boy or whatever. And you can hear Spielberg uh, from the side. You can't see him, but you can hear him say, you just got the part. 
from that no one audition. way. Because he transforms into a nervous seven-year-old kid in an audition to completely being Elliot. And mm. it's really powerful. It's like two minutes long. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes. Who knows? So, okay. So that's Canvas People. So here are the five ways to spend money to increase your own happiness. You ready, sweetie? Mm-hmm. Maybe I should do drum rolls for this. I mean... Number one, buy experiences, not stuff. Yes, agree. Tangible things... We, they think it's going to make us happy, whether it's a new car or a new toy or whatever. But in the long term, it fades. Oh, yeah. Right? So if you're going to spend whatever, um, X amount of dollars on, you know, an electronic thing with your kid or go on vacation, they're saying go on vacation. Yes. So I couldn't agree more. Put your money towards experiences instead of things because things just take up space anyway. Well, and I love the in-between because I, I completely agree that I would, I kind of push Todd on going on vacations, not because I'm so wise necessarily, but because I think it is a... Important to get away. It's important to get away for really personal reasons. And also those are the things you remember when you're out of your routine. Our routines become so autopilot that it's hard to remember. We'll be like, I don't remember. Yeah, what did we do? What did we do? Yet on a vacation, you remember what you ate. You remember where you went. Well, what's interesting is uh, I have a neighbor, I won't name his name, but he went to Disney World with his kids and he went to a different park every single day for like seven days and I thought he was crazy. Yes. And uh, maybe that was the exact right vacation for his family. But for us, I think the kids have as much fun playing at the pool. I'm like, dude, just do the in-between days, like Mm -hmm. a day at a park because parks are exhausting. Yes. You're waiting in line. You're paying money. Jim Gaffigan has that. He's like, you're basically just paying a line to be miserable. Oh, yeah. Paying, paying a lot of money to be miserable. That's what makes me laugh are the Disney commercials. Yeah. Because the Disney commercials will suck you in. Because you'll be like, it's so the fire, magical. The fireworks behind yes. the castle. And, and everybody's like laughing. And there's nobody on the street with them. And they're <laughs> on the ride. And they're getting to talk to Snow White. And it's like, I have not yet talked to we Snow White. We waited like an hour to talk to Ariel. And she didn't even talk. Well, it was like a... Whatever, she was in the costume. I was going to say, didn't we get in line for her? And then they're like, oh, she's going on break. Yeah. And we're like, what? Yeah. So it's the the funny, you know, the, re- the reality of the situation. But with that said, you can still have a good time at those things. It doesn't make those things inherently bad, but you've got to go in knowing what's happening. Right. And I also think it's different for every family because you have to remember, like, this is very timely because my oldest daughter, mm-hmm. who is a lot like Todd and needs to move and wants new experiences and she wants to travel the world and she's been saying this her whole life. Okay, I these are not things I need. I I appreciate them and I hope Todd and I travel more when our children are older, but she needs them. And so we were talking about spring break next year, which is so far away. Yeah. And first of all, mind you, we didn't used to take spring breaks and it took a lot of my – like, let's do it. Let's spend money. To because get I'm there. so cheap. I'm like, let's go to Galena because your aunt has a house out right, there. Right. And, but, you know, the Hawaii experience is not going <laughs> to happen in our family anytime right. soon. As far as pendulum, I won't push for that. We get in the car and we drive 20 hours to a place. Right. And, and stay in an embassy suite. So yeah. we, we try and make it realistic without like spending our life savings yeah. on four days. Right. Um, but this, my older daughter, it's not about money for her. It's about take me somewhere new. Yeah. Show me something different. Like she would love Clark Griswold as a father. Like yes. here's a ball of mud. Here's yeah. a ball of twine. Like she wants to see new things. And she and I were discussing this about spring break. She's like, I do not want to go back to where we were. I want to see something new. Take me somewhere new. 
And I we just found a place that we, we really finally like. found a place, and I want to go on break and go to somewhere I know, and somewhere Familiar. where I know where to eat, right. and somewhere where I know where to walk, and so, and that is a, my version of a vacation. So my point in bringing that up is, she and I will find, you know, uh, she's kind of joking with me, but she's also being serious. She knows that Todd and I are going to make the decision in the long run. She's just trying to give her side, we shall say. Yep. And and so there are some families that going to a park every day is their dream yeah. in a good way, meaning yeah. they're like, keep it going, keep yep. it going, keep the action going. So you've got to- And that's fine if everybody in the family is, right, is, is on board. board. Right. You and I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm fine with waiting in lines and being hot and sweaty and miserable for a day. For a period of time. Then give me another day to sit around and go to the pool yes. and all that. And, you know, we the way we try and save money is we'll go have the experience of going somewhere, like driving to Florida or going to Nashville, or which I think are wonderful experiences for our family. But we will have one big meal. Yeah. We'll have like, we'll, you know, make food in the morning or have cereal or whatever. And then we'll have one big meal. In the middle of the afternoon. In the middle of the afternoon and maybe that night have ice cream or something. So instead of having three meals and then we try and be, it's, it's thoughtful rather than budgeted. Right. Because budgeted can ruin fun. Yeah. Every, every, I've read so many money books and they're all like, oh, if you want to get rich, you got to have a budget. Kathy and I don't have a budget. We, Mm -mm. We, it just doesn't fit our personalities. But I've kind of have a built in idea of what's right and what's wrong. There is, I, and again, that's why we can do it. This is not a budgets don't work for us. It's we have this modulate, what's the word? I can feel when something has gone too far. Like, okay. It, and I'm, and you're much more. Yours, you're, you feel it a lot faster than I do. But I would, ne- you know, and I, Todd knows that about me. I would never go buy something right. crazy, and I would never. I don't go shopping all the time. Mm. I do do when I need to. Yeah, I just said do. I know you did. Um, but it, point is, is that there's budgeting, and then there's thoughtfulness, and then you got to do what works in your family. Yep. Um, there have been times though when we've had to budget where we've had no choice. Yeah, when I thought we were going belly up because of a bad investment yeah. I made. We completely, completely cut things out everything. and our credit card bill got cut by 80% yeah, because yeah. of some of the decisions. So that's the thing is, is it's all about where you are yeah. and it's not about one right way. You ready so for number two? experiences. All right. Number two, uh, spend money on other people, not ourselves. Yeah. Right? I like Goes that. Goes without saying. But here's the one thing that's interesting. Um, whether or not I spend money on you, my sweetie, or some stranger on the street, Research says that when we do these things for strangers as we do loved ones, it gives you the exact same experience. I completely believe that. It's called the warm glow giving. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of commonsensical is like, you know, when you spend money, I mean, there's sometimes when I want something and I buy it for myself, it feels good. But I think the whole point of what Jonathan is saying is it goes quickly. It's fleeting. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're really trying to extend the happiness experience, if you do it for somebody else, it's... It's stretched out. Well, I think buying for yourself is a rush. It's like an endorphin rush. It's kind of like, this feels good. I'm so excited to have this new phone or, oh, I got these new shoes or, oh, we got this new car and you have this rush, but it it does not sustain. And when you give to someone, not only do you feel that sense of giving, but it builds up your own internal integrity where you feel more full as a person, you feel more giving. And I, I completely agree. Um, with the, it's not just about that gift. It's about how you feel about yourself. But this is what I will say with giving, 
one of the things that's, I think, very vital is the idea of non-attachment. And I actually just had a good, uh, someone just defined for me, I think it was maybe Danielle Laporte, defined for me the difference between detachment and non-attachment. Detachment is a lot colder. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more like, I don't care what happens. I'm detached from it. I'm not looking. That's very cold. Non-attachment is I do care, but I'm also, Mm -hmm. I don't have a vision of how it needs to be. Non-attachment seems like a much healthier. Yeah, completely. And she kind of goes through pages of here's what detachment feels like, which is kind of like where we're like, forget about it. I don't care what happens. And there's no truth in that, A. And B, it, it's hurting you. Well, and, and if somebody were to say that kind of with the same tone that you just said, they're probably not detached. Correct. Right? They're, they're so, it, they protest too much. Yeah. And non-attachment is, and this is why this is important with giving, because a lot of people give and the endorphin rush that they get is from someone saying thank you. Yeah. I, I dig manners, I love manners, and saying thank you is a great thing, but we are not giving to people so we can get something back. It's not then it's not a gift, it's an exchange. It's an exchange. A gift is one-sided. Exactly. You give for the sake of giving, unattached to any result. That's right. Um, if you are giving somebody, waiting for that thank you phone call back, yep. that's just a transaction. And I hear so many people that I work with say, well, I did this, but they never said anything then about you, it. Then you didn't really give it. Then anything. you didn't give it. There was a string. Expectation of outcome. It's like you nailed a string down mm-hmm. and you kept holding the string, waiting for them to bring you the other half and yeah. say, oh, yes, I did get this. And that is not why we give. Yep. I'm sorry. Sometimes I try and give you guys these visions in my head and they may not they may not land very well, but I see a string, you know, and that's when people say, are there strings attached to this? That's Mm -hmm. what they mean. Like if someone's like, oh, I'll give you the money to pay for this. Well, are you really giving me the money or is there string? Are there strings? Yeah. It would be healthier to say, I'm going to let you borrow this money. Correct. And in exchange, I would like a thank you or in exchange, I would like to pay you back. You might as well be honest about it if that's what you need. And But with what Jonathan is saying, I think the healthy version is when you are giving to someone, you are not looking, as Todd said, for the exchange. You are you are experiencing what it feels like to offer with non-attachment. Yeah. And if you can do that, the irony is, or the interesting thing is, you will probably get more gratitude. Yeah. But that's not why you do it. No. Again, it's it's, that, a, it's a byproduct. It's a byproduct. It's not the intent. Because I know people who, when they give me something, they're just waiting for me to tell them how great it was. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't feel like a gift. Yeah. It feels like them wanting me to pat them on the back. And number so, three, you ready? Okay, yeah. Many things versus one big thing. And I'll give you the example. Um, if I were to say, Kathy, I'm going to give you um, $100 today uh-huh. or $25 today and $25 tomorrow and $25 the day after and 25 the day after that, you would think because it's the same amount, it would result in the same amount of happiness. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. You actually, there's there's a longer period of happiness by not getting it all at one time. Oh, yeah. There's a happiness in little bite-sized pieces, if that makes sense. I completely agree. One yummy piece of chocolate versus breaking up into four different pieces or four different times or something like that. Chocolate on four different days. Exactly. Oh, yeah. We adapt to the high much more quickly and then it quickly fades if you eat it all at once. Completely. And that's that in itself is a money thing. Mm-hmm. When you spend a lump sum of money on one thing, mm-hmm. that is so much less than being able to... That's what you and I always say about money is that the way we view it um, is I would much rather just have... 
to be able to buy little things that are needed or give gifts that I want to give than have a big thing. Yeah. You know, like have, you know, you know, someone will be like, oh, I just got money. So I'm going to go buy a car. Mm -hmm. So they get that car and, and they may have been saving for it. It's not a bad thing. It's just personally, I would much rather be like, okay, here's some money. Now over time, I can enjoy the pleasure of giving it away or getting what I need. Well, and I'll bring relationships into this uh, for a second. I think a lot of um, couples, I'll say guys for now, want to give their wife one big thing. Mm -hmm. Like a necklace or a ring. A necklace or going to Mexico or whatever. And most women or people would prefer to have a bunch of little things over a long period of time. Yes. There are, and again, that's relative. There are some people who'd say, nope, give me the big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think typically- Yeah, there's outliers to everything. Right, but typically I would agree with that. I mean, I personally do yeah. because um, the thing, the big thing may, you know, like for example, when you get like a, you know, Todd and I don't really do this, but say you got like a really fancy necklace, mm-hmm. you can wear it maybe once a year yeah. <laughs> versus like- you know, today we're going to go out to dinner mm-hmm. and then next week, um, or we're going to save for a vacation or next week we're going to go get We that do that shoes. with, you know, we spend a lot of money eating outside of our house uh-huh. and, but think about all the experiences because neither one of us like to cook that mm-hmm. much and mm-hmm. everything else. We could instead go to Hawaii next year and eat at home all year. Yeah. What would you rather do? Do it the way we're doing right? it. Right. And that's And just... now that that's funny because we were just talking about the going on a vacation is so important. Mm-hmm. But that's the balance is like I do like saving for vacation and being like, we're going to, you know, the reason the conversation we always have with the girls is we're not going to do this because we want to do this. It's like first this, then that. But what Todd's talking about is our daily experience of joy, not happiness where we're trying to give ourselves an endorphin rush, but that baseline feeling of my life today is an okay day Mm -hmm. is based upon the fact that we don't have to come up with creating meals every day. Because for us, that brings a lot of, of like, ugh. And what we do instead, well, I don't have to tell you everything, but breakfast, everybody's on their own. And most of the time, dinner's everybody, you know, dinner, you're on your own, except yeah. when they're in school. Right. Then it's opposite. They, yeah. We send a lunch with them, you know, we make their lunch then and then dinner do together. dinner at night. Yeah. But that gives us freedom. Mm-hmm. And freedom makes me happy. Yeah. What doesn't make me happy is thinking I have to go to the store, then I have to cook, then I have to clean up. That's like three hours of time. Mm-hmm. And for some, they That's love it. joy. Not for us. Not for me. Number four. Pay before you play, which translates to delay gratitude. Mm-hmm. So what Jonathan says is we live in an instant delivery society. Like we used to have to wait uh, a week t- before we ordered something. Now you and I both are part of Amazon Prime. Yeah. So we get everything in two days, yeah. which is crazy. And it's just going to continue moving faster and faster. Like yeah. the drones are going to stop, dro- start dropping boxes from the sky sooner rather than later. They have same-day delivery right now. I know. Amazon has same-day delivery. And he said that um, all this, you know, another example is there's going to be a time when we have a 3D printer in our house. Jeez. And we're going to be able to print off anything that we want so we don't have to go to the store. Wow. Think about like... Um, uh, you know, so now makes you less happy. Anticipation allows us to live. Uh, so he talks about, so instead of getting it at once in a single moment, the now anticipation has value Yeah, it does. that we don't quite, um, 
put much value on. We have anticipation is good, like planning a vacation or planning a date out with your daughter mm -hmm. or with your wife. Um, the planning goes into the experience. If it's all about the experience alone and nothing before or after, it's not nearly as valuable. Well, two things. Number one, you started by saying delay gratitude and you meant delay gratification, right. correct? So delaying gratification, there is something that is more powerful. Anticipation of an event is often more powerful than the event itself. For example, going to Disney World. Mm -hmm. People talk about it. They get excited. They buy outfits. They say, they read books. They go on the internet. Once they're there, mm -hmm. you know, it might be a five. It may not live <laughs> up to the expectations Correct. that you built up. But it doesn't take away of the anticipation right. you felt yeah. going. Same thing with... Um, you know, any experience that you're going to have, you know, going somewhere, um, you know, asking someone out on a date, um, having a dinner planned on Friday night, seeing a friend like we the or, you know, the one that kids always talk about in high school, you know, the whole idea of prom, the actual day of prom. Not that big of a deal. It, it, for many, they're like, oh, that wasn't really that big of a deal. But, you know, you know what was fun? Mm -hmm. Finding a dress talking about it, figuring out who you're going to go with, um, you know, going to get your hair done before, you know, for people who do that, that's fun. It's a good example. And that's called anticipation. And we don't right now with, like you said, the instant gratification, we don't have that ability to anticipate and to think. We don't need it. Right. Everything is for the taking. Yeah. You no, know, back in the olden days, you couldn't even you know, you had to make stuff out of wood. Now you, and like 20 years ago or 10 years ago, you'd go to the store and go to Target or go to Walmart. And, and now we don't even need to go outside the house. We can get the stuff delivered today. I know. And there's like, I used to work at this clothes store called Honey Girl in DeKalb. So any of you are from Elmhurst or DeKalb or anywhere in the Western suburbs, you may have had a Honey Girl. And mm. I worked there in retail for many years. And when I would find something that I wanted, first of all, I could put it, um, I could get a discount. Second of all, I put it on layaway. Mm -hmm. Did you ever do layaway? No. So basically layaway, you just get this whole tag thing. I could do it in my sleep because everybody would come in and do a layaway and you'd put like $20 down and then over time you would pay it off. People would just show up with cash mm -hmm. and say, that's going to go toward my shirt and we'd check it off on the layaway. And then one day they'd say, okay, I have my final payment and they'd go home with it. And what do we do now? Now we, we order it and get credit card we debt. We put it on our plastic. Exactly. And, that and then just, we get into trouble totally. because of it. And we don't get excited and we don't think ahead. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of times what I would do with layaway is I'd be like, okay, I have this big event coming up, whatever was big in my high school life. And I'd be like, I want to, I want this sweater. Yeah. So I would work toward it. And I would sometimes try, it's kind of like what JC's doing now with working. She's towards she, her laptop. Yeah. JC wants to buy a laptop. So she's doing all this work this summer. And so any opportunity she gets to work, she takes it because she knows where it's going. Same thing at Honey Girl when my boss, Alice, would say, say you think alice is listening right now sweetheart no, i don't i don't unfortunately um but she would say do you want these hours you know someone called in and i'd be like yes i want the hours because it would go towards something yeah. and uh, you know there's something wonderful about that now i hate to get into that mindset of oh the good old days and it's, it'll never be like that again there's an but element of truth to it there's it demonstrates what you're talking yeah. about you ready for number five yeah by time so what does that mean Everybody's busy. We're all busy. And I think you and I are pretty good at this. Like we get, you know, we used to partner up with Helping Hands Maid Services. 
I don't like scrubbing toilets. Right. You don't like scrubbing toilets. We buy, I don't know, six hours a month so yeah. we don't have to do it. Yeah. Um, we're lucky enough to be in a position to be able to do that. Right. And there's still some childhood baggage that I have. Like, I can't believe you're paying somebody to come into your house. But <clears throat> if if time truly is more valuable than anything, and because all we ever say as parents is time flies, we got to slow things down. Well, I would rather play catch or go to go somewhere with you or my daughters instead of clean my house but the house needs to get clean exactly and that's the thing is we have them come once a month yeah and for me that's also peace of mind because yeah. we're obviously cleaning up all the time sure but there's that deep clean yeah. that takes a day. Yeah, when well, the would house be a, just smells awesome. Right, where it's like you're all day Saturday or you stay in on Friday night to clean and that is the time thing mm-hmm. is that I don't want to dedicate a whole day doing that. And so they come in and do that for us once a month. When I did that with, uh, I, I, we own an apartment building a few suburbs away and I used to manage it. So I used to run over there and do the showings when new tenants are, you know, there's a sink that gets clogged. I have to go over there. It's just ridiculous. And I now have a manager there. Yeah. And that was by far one of the best investments I've ever made. Yeah. Because I don't have to do any of that stuff. And many will say, and I think this is what you said before, couldn't you make more money doing it this way? Probably. Yeah. But, but what's more, what's more value? You got to kind of de- derive what your, what an hour of your time is worth. Yeah. And, and you have to kind of, take steps into all that. Yes. Like God bless our neighbors. Our neighbors just built this beautiful patio. Yes. It would take me like, first of all, he did it like in a week. It would have taken me a year. Yes. <laughs> and I am much more like, let's throw money at a professional to do this. Right. What I'm I'm not saying I'm right. For me, I was right. He wouldn't want to do that. Correct. He loves doing that. And I couldn't stand it. That's the important part. Right there is what is the important part is we don't judge people who say, I'm going to have someone build this patio for me. And we also don't judge people who say, I'm going to do it myself. People are pulling from their strengths. Yes. And they're pulling from their joy. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about one way. Right. It's about that there are many ways and many of us need to save to make that patio and we can't afford for someone to build it. So we do it ourselves and there's gratification in that. And then some of us can say, you know what, I've been saving for this patio so I can pay someone else to do it. There isn't, and we're just, we just get very judgy where we're like, there's only, this is the only way. And the, again, a big piece of self-awareness and a big thing you want your kids to see in you is there are many ways. Yep. There's no one way. There's no one way. Um, I want to shift into a question that a listener asked. Okay. You ready? Mm-hmm. It's a little long. It's a long paragraph, and I substituted her daughter's name. I'm going to call her Betsy. Okay. Help me out with my daughter, Betsy. I asked her why she started running today. Um, she's 12 years old, by the way. Betsy's 12. And yes, uh, yesterday, and told her I was just curious why she was running, and she told me she doesn't like the shape of her body, mm-hmm. how her thighs are fat, and she kept grabbing her belly and calling it flubber. She kept comparing herself to the other kids in gym class, saying they finished the mile run faster and did more pull-ups. She brought up girls that are really skinny. I honestly had a hard time knowing exactly what the right thing to say was. I have tried to be careful for months to not say anything negative about my body because I don't want either of my girls to learn negative self-talk from me, although it's probably too late for that since I have a long time disliked my own body. She's not fat by any means. I reminded her of her doctor's appointment when her doctor said she's a good weight for her height. Of course, that didn't help. She was a little overweight when she was younger because we didn't eat very healthy. Maybe that's why she's worried all of a sudden. I told her there's nothing wrong with wanting to be healthy and in shape. 
I just want her to be healthy and happy. I want her to go through, I don't want her to go through all the horrible things that I have said to myself since I was her age. I've started feeling like myself uh, and who I am. It took me a very long time to break old ways of thinking about myself and I still struggle with it. So here's the question, how do I help her so she doesn't have to suffer through years of this? Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about this on Zen Talk last week. Yeah. I, I, what do you think? Well, I think there's two things. I think, number one, she already realizes that this is not completely, it's not 100% the reason, but it is connected to how she relates to her own body. Or how she used to. How she used to. And maybe some old messaging, um, internal messaging that then, you know, directed the way that she talked about herself maybe in the presence of her daughter or maybe it was subconscious you know it's sometimes it's not so overt it's just you know like our kids maybe we didn't say anything but they see us be so unhappy in our clothes they see us say things like I never want to go shopping or I can't stand bathing suit season and sometimes we'll say well I didn't say I hated my body Mm -hmm. but you're saying it in roundabout ways. Subliminal messages. Right and and Believe me, who, you know, the person who wrote this letter, you're not alone. I've done that. I think most uh, men and, or excuse me, most women, and I think some men do too. I think men can be really hard on themselves about their bodies. The thing I would do is take it off of those really surfacey levels of what her weight is and, you know, comparing to other people and really dive into the things she's saying and then asking questions. Like when she says, I don't like the way I, I look, um, it is, the question is, well, how would you like to look? Mm-hmm. And when she says, I would like to look this way, then the next question is, why would you like to look that way? And then when she says, I would like to look this way because their life seems easier because everybody, I'm supposed to look that way or people on magazines look that way, then you question that and say, is that true? Do you really know for sure that that person is happier than you? Because what you're trying to get her to do is dive deep into her feelings about this and the assumptions that she's made. It's not about telling her, no, you really are skinny or you really are thin, because then you're re, you're validating the fact that you do have to be a certain weight, that that the doctor said she's a healthy weight, therefore she's okay. Mm-hmm. And what you're trying to get to is what does this all mean? Again, you're trying to help her unbecome or let go of what society has told her. Is one conversation going to do this? No. No. This is going to be something for you as her mom to practice yourself and to become more conscious of the way you talk about yourself and the way that you even make hints about other people's body. For example, a lot of people will say, well, I don't talk poorly about my body at all. But then they'll walk around saying, oh, that person has the most perfect body. Or, oh, look at that person on TV. Their body is perfect. Or, oh, look at their legs. And the message is still getting through. The message is still that there is somebody that looks better and there is an ideal we need to uphold. There's nothing wrong with a dancer, for example. Say you're watching, you know, the dance show. What is that called? So you think you can dance or whatever. And there's somebody dancing and they do have a beautiful body. It's about their dance, not about how their leg mm-hmm. is skinny. Mm-hmm. Look how they move their body. Look at how amazing their body looks when they dance. Do you see that it's not about the appearance of the skinny leg, which doesn't do anything. It's about how they use their body to do something good. What about the whole idea of see it to be it? Like, do you have any videos, movies, resources that pop to your brain right now of of examples of 
people who are not, you know, quote unquote, the cultural norm of, you know, models or whatever. Absolutely. If you go to Google and you put in Dove campaign, D-O-V-E campaign, Dove is the soap, they have done a number of commercials and um, public service announcements about how we all look different. Mm -hmm. And they are all different, meaning some are about how we um, do cutting and pasting on a model. How we what what am I looking for? A computer Photoshop Photoshop a model, um, and how what you're seeing on a on TV even is not real. What you're seeing on a magazine cover for sure isn't real. And then they also show women who have curly hair and long hair, and women who have dark skin and light skin, and and they talk about their appearance or their body or someone who is more, um, because that's the thing is our idea of thin in this culture. And this is a discussion we need to have with our girls. That is not something everyone can achieve. The, the ideal that like the Barbie kind of body, there is a genetic makeup, just like Give, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, we talk about kids getting scholarships for sports. There's a small percentage of children that are going to get this like full-fledged scholarship for a sport because of the way their body was created and because they were given this skill set that allowed them to to just go above and beyond, not probably in one sport, but in all sports. It's the same with a body type. We look at someone and we say, I'm going to work hard and exercise harder to look like that. But your body will never, that's that's a genetic Mm -hmm. makeup. It doesn't mean, again, to this mom's point, that you can't be healthy and that you can't feel good. You can you can be healthy and feel good about the body type. But it's that not you about have. outward appearance. Exactly. Like what uh, you know, it's healthy to go on a run. It's healthy to yes. make eat vegetables, but not with the understanding that it's all about how I'm going to end up looking like that. Your leg is going to somehow be reshaped mm-hmm. into something that someone who's six foot four yeah. has. It just doesn't work that way. So again, it's that non-attachment. And I will tell you personally, like when I have days, like say I wake up and, you know, I go to a yoga class, I feel healthier that day. I don't think I lost weight. Mm. I don't think that I like now can eat 10 donuts because of it. But you just are like, I followed through with something that makes me healthier internally. But again, we can tell our girls this, but if we're not doing that. Walk the walk. And the the final thing Todd was saying about um, what we talked about on the Zen talk, we need to redefine what beauty means for our kids. And I don't mean by saying, here's a whole bunch of different body types. They're all beautiful. It's more than that. It's about using the word beauty beyond appearance. Using the word beauty to say, oh, did you see that person help that homeless person? That was a beautiful gesture. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the way that you just responded to your sister so kindly, that was beautiful. We're, we're using that word beauty to define more of an out. It's not just about outward. It's about what we're giving. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So then when we use the word beautiful with our children and we say, you are beautiful, they can't argue with us right. because they'll say, no, I'm not. I don't look like this or that. I, I'm not referring to outward. I'm referring to you being a beautiful person. Mm-hmm. And then our girls and our boys can own that word because we all are beautiful. But our our small definition is that unless we look a certain way, expand, we're not. Expand what the word means. Correct. And then when your daughter or your son says something like, you know, am I beautiful or whatever, you know, you stop say, I refuse to have this conversation if we're if it's just about what a physical appearance is because that's not what beautiful means to me. Right. Or something like that. Or, you know, if it's not I refuse, mm-hmm. it's this is a hard conversation for me to have yeah. because I don't believe that 
what you're saying is because is, what we do usually is say, "Oh, you are beautiful." Correct. So then we're like validating that that this is even a conversation that we need to have of whether or not you are or you're not or your or or your values derived on how you're perceived. Right. We're debating whether or not you are beautiful. Right. And the truth is, of course you are. Yeah. But let's expand mm-hmm. what that means in, in the best possible way where it's authentic yeah. and not some made up crap that our kids can see through. Right. What does beauty mean to us? And also, um, you know, oh, I was going to say going back to the first thing about... Why don't you think about it and I'll talk about yeah, our two ahead. partners. Um, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, Dr. Kelly, she adjusts us. I need to get back in there. Um, her website is chirotree.com. Uh, she's an amazing chiropractor. And then our other partner is Jeremy Kraft. And who's Jeremy? He's a bald-headed beauty. And what he does is he... Uh, performs um, painting and remodeling services all throughout the Chicagoland area. And the way you find out about Jeremy is by going to avidco, A-V-I-D-C-O dot net. Um, He's a bald-headed beauty. I remembered. What was it? Many will say, well, I've told my daughter or son that, and they still have a hard time. Yes. These are, this is not a one-time conversation. No. They are not going to say, oh, mom, you've just enlightened me so much. Now I'll never have pain about my appearance because again. Because they're going to keep getting reinforced by the culture and society exactly. of these opposing messages. Exactly. So communication and connection is about not thinking, well, I'm going to say it once and therefore they're going to get it. Mm-hmm. It's about this is an ongoing, open, constantly evolving and changing conversation and the, what ends up happening to parents is they end up suffering, thinking I must be doing it wrong or getting mad at the kid for not getting it. And so then it becomes an argument about, I already told you this, you should just know this. And yet we still don't feel great about ourselves. Yeah. So you're asking your child to be something that you're not. Yeah, I would invite anybody who this conversation resonates with to maybe spend a little time with your kid in, in these teachable moments, but direct as much, if not more, resources into your own work about your own idea of what beauty is. Yes, and normalize. You know, just like with talking to our kids about sexuality, it's the same kind of thing. When, you know, if, if my daughters, and we do have this conversation around them not feeling good about how they look, you know, the first answer is, I can understand why you would think that because our society really hammers these things, don't they? I've felt like you before too. So it's not, oh, you're crazy. I mean, come on, give me a break. You got to be real. You You got to be real. But then after that validation, it's how do we look at this different together? Mm -hmm. And it's a practice. And then when they come to you a week later and say, I still am not feeling good about myself, you say, yeah, this is an ongoing and, and it's not easy. Like there is no book where we say, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. Yeah. Because girl, you know, Todd and I just had a huge conversation this morning about girls in society. I do this for a living. I live and breathe this. I work with people who live and breathe this and it's still an ongoing conversation. Yeah. So give yourself a break and yeah. know that. Um, so a few different ways, I'm going to throw some movie lines at you here in a second, sweetheart. Oh boy. But before I do that, um, it's just a few different things that we have going on. We're doing uh, soul camp yep. a week from Saturday, June 24th, I think it's yep. on our website. Um, also you can subscribe to our podcast, which is the quickest way of finding out what's new and wonderful about Zen parenting. Uh, so just go to zenparentingradio.com and click on subscribe. You can buy one of sweetie's awesome three books. The third one is called living what you want your kids to learn the power of self-aware parenting. Is that right? Correct. Um, and then we have a really lively Facebook feed. So don't forget if you are Facebook fans with us, um, you can do that drop down arrow arrow on our page and you could see our updates first. That's what I do with my favorite. So uh, where do they go? 
go to our facebook.com slash Zen Parenting Radio. I know, but then how do they get that drop down? It's right there on the homepage. D- does it say notifications? Yeah, or? thank you, notifications. Yeah. Go to notifications and then you click on see this first. And then I also coach guys. So if you're a guy and you're looking at trying to evolve and grow and get better, um, I can help you. So um, a few different ways. Uh, we could do it Skype, on the phone, face-to-face, whatever works for you. Um, first session's free. And just invest in yourself. That's the that's what I do because I have a coach. So that's right. It's like a workout partner, a gym buddy. So I want to say a few things that are coming up. Number one, um, we have a big announcement in August, Ooh. and we are excited because it's about our conference, our 2018 conference. We have the dates. Can we say the yeah, dates? Yeah, March 3rd and 4th. Oh, wow, you've got to memorize. Oh, yeah. I, we're working on this all the time. This is an ongoing, like... It's a whole year thing. A whole year thing. Actually, it's March 2nd and 3rd. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that funny? I gotcha. Oh, my gosh. Is it really? Yeah, I'm Friday, March 2nd, Saturday, March 3rd. Oh, Kathy. Um, March 2nd and 3rd. So that's a Friday and a Saturday, uh, 2018. And gosh, I, I want to go back and look at everything I've written because I want to make sure I've done it right. Well, nothing's posted. So yeah. Good. Okay, good, good. So anyway, March 2nd and 3rd, we've had our speakers since April. Yeah. But it's we the first just, thing we do. Yeah, that's that's our secret until August. Um, so we're revealing a new conference website in August. We are revealing a new Zen Parenting Radio website in August. We are just upping our game. We are sharpening the saw. Is that what it is? Yeah. It is getting... Stephen Covey, Sharpen the Saw. We are... So it's going to be easier for you guys to find things. And we're just thrilled about this upcoming conference. And we're not telling them who it is? No. Ew. Ew, Dennis DeYoung. <laughs> we did get an iTunes review. That's another way you can support us by going to uh, iTunes and giving us a review. Uh, we got it from Emily. When I need a boost or just need to feed my mind on thoughts that are upbuilding, you are part of my team of people I turn to to help me feel outstanding. Sometimes my spouse will be able to help me feel outstanding. Sometimes cuddling with my five-year-old does the trick. And sometimes a quick call to my best friend. But Todd and Kathy, thank you so much for being part of my world and part of my team. Mm, That's nice. Team Zen. Thank you. So give us an iTunes review if you can. You ready for the movie line, sweetie? Sure. And then we're going to close up. Is this our cultural literacy portion? Exactly. And I got a feeling you'll know most of them. But let's see. This this is a longer one Uh and not that funny. Uh Uh-oh. Remember how I said I'd rather be with someone for the wrong reasons than alone for the right ones? I'd rather be right... feel good to stand on my own oh my gosh okay i got it it's um i know it it's some kind of wonderful wow good job i i could see leah thompson yeah is that her name in my mind but i was also there was another um anyway i got i was i was also thinking juno but it's leah thompson yeah i'm a mog half man half dog i'm my own best friend uh space balls all right mickey's a mouse Donald's a duck. Stand by me. Pluto's a dog. What's goofy? <laughs> Say it again. Stand by me. What's that bubble there? What do you think? It's a... well, how the hell did you get the beans above the frag? I mean, you know, you know, I, I don't know. It wasn't like it was a well thought out plan. Uh, it's, there's something about Mary. Very good. This is an easy one. The last two are easy, but funny. Okay. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. <laughs> Spinal tap. 
Fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> fat guy in a little coat. Don't. <laughs> fat guy in a little coat. Fat guy in a little coat. Do you know where that comes from? That's when they were writing together. I, I don't think Farley did a lot of writing, but Spade did. And they would be hanging out at, in their Saturday Night Live office. Uh-huh. And he just picked up David Spade's coat. Oh, so, so that's he did they that. Really... <laughs> and then they just threw it in the movie. Tommy Boy. Very good. Um, so that's funny. And yeah, that, that movie didn't translate to our children. They didn't think it was funny. Tommy at all. Boy? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what their problem is. Well, you know what? You got to grow up with somebody. Like, we grew up with Chris Farley. We grew up with, you know, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Like, they're, they're a part of our life. And so their movies were funny. But I'm sorry. I don't think there's anybody funnier than Chris Farley, except for maybe like Jim Carrey. Like, I don't know. I can't, it's hard for me to think of somebody that doesn't make me laugh out loud than Farley. Chris Farley has it. Todd and I love the kind of comedians where they just walk on stage and you laugh before they've yeah. said anything. Right. Because a lot of comedians, you're nervous for them because it's really about the content and not their, that them. And Chris Farley, nothing could go south. Because he could, I think Kate McKinnon's like that too. I don't think she can let anything go south. I think it ends up being funny no yeah. matter what. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't have many stinkers, that's for sure. No, no, no. Um, so anyways, that's kind of our show. Kind of. Hopefully you liked it. <laughs> uh, consider joining Z- Team Zen. Team Zen. Zen Team. Team Zen. Team Zen. Because mm-hmm. uh, we got one uh, actually. Tomorrow. Technically today, because they're going to listen to this tomorrow. Yes. Um, and keep trucking. Right? That's right. Anything else? Have a good week. Adios. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're a fan of Zen Parenting Radio... They are. Consider leaving us a review on iTunes. We love them. This helps people find us, or you can just tell a friend about our show. Even better. Word of mouth, right? Right. Todd and I, we do our speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness. So if you have an interested group or an organization, contact us at Kathy at ZenParentingRadio.com. We love speaking to groups. Hey. Hey now. Guess what? Next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. Sweet. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to ZenParentingRadio.com and click events. If you like reading awesome parenting books, read Kathy's. She's got three of them. And the way to find out about them is go to ZenParentingRadio.com and click on the store. Thank you. You're welcome. Award-winning, I might add. I know. So you coach guys. I love coaching guys. And you're good at it. I do it on Skype, face-to-face, and even on the phone. And we talk about uh, parenting, uh, relationships, finance, career, work-life balance. It's awesome. So first session's free. If you're interested, go to ToddAdamsCoaching.com. Great. And if you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, I promise. Yeah. But we get a small commission from Amazon. It's just an easy way of making money. And you, you're you going to buy from Amazon anyway, so you might as well go through our homepage. All right. Right-hand side, Amazon link. Great. Great. <laughs> hey, and thanks for being such an awesome listener, you know? <laughs> sponsors oh yeah um i also want to thank our two amazing partners dr kelly from the tree of life chiropractic care and avid company painting and remodeling avidco.net and dr kelly's at chirotree.com thank you so much for all your love and support keep on trucking sweetie case say keep on trucking keep on trucking i say it better i know that's all right keep trucking adios <laughs>